What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Pitcher Bed Sports Podcast. Today, running it solo is Matt Guest. Other Matt, Mr. Morris, is out doing some family stuff. Uh, He's out of town a little bit for the holidays, as was I last week, which is why we were off. And um, yeah, my man just had to take care of some things. So we're going to ride it solo this week. So probably a little bit of a shorter pod here. Uh, one of the few few solo pods that I think I've ever dropped. So appreciate all you all jumping in here. Definitely wanted to get on the line, talk a little bit today about the division round that was in the NFL. What an amazing end to the NFL season we had. Not quite the crescendo that we were looking for, considering Jacksonville ended up losing earlier um, in the 10 o'clock slate for us on the West Coast over here. And meaning Buffalo was going to make the playoffs regardless if they won or not in that Sunday night football game. But all in all, just a fantastic week 18, an amazing regular season in the NFL that has come to a conclusion. And here we are division round, as they call it, super wild card weekend in the NFL. We've got a total of what is it? Five, six games this weekend. Two Saturday, three Sunday, and that Monday night game, which kind of cracks me up because you would think you would not want to play in the Monday night game, automatically giving you a short week. The Buccaneers in Philadelphia kind of got the short end of the stick there. But all in all, great football season. Crazy news coming out this week. Bill Belichick's going to be gone. Pete Carroll's going to be gone. And even in college, Nick Saban's going to be gone. So... We're seeing a bit of a change in the guard for our best coaches in the NFL and the best coach in college football right now. We have a long offseason to talk about what's next for the Patriots, what's next for a team like Seattle, who I didn't think had a big hole to avoid, but they got to find a coach that's going to work best for them, Um, along with the Chicago Bears, their number one overall pick, and all the other coaching vacancies that are out there. But today, I'm just going to focus on the task at hand. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the division round of the playoffs. We're going to jump right into it. I'm going to get into all the games this weekend. We're going to start with Saturday slate, Sunday slate, and then, yes, we'll talk about that Monday night game, which is probably the least exciting, but it's still a playoff game, so it's going to be electric. First game Saturday that we're going to chat about here today is the Cleveland Browns are going into Houston, a rematch of a game three weeks ago. Right, Cleveland went in, and what did we see out of that game? Oh, you know, no big deal. The Browns only set a franchise record, throwing the ball to Amari Cooper for 265 yards. Um, recording this a little bit later in the week, but all signs are pointing to Cooper playing. The big thing that if you just want to draw apples to apples, look at the box score from last time, make your bets that way, whatever you're trying to do out there, pick the game that we're going to do here on the podcast. CJ Stroud was out, right? And I don't think we can underestimate that factor. And I don't think any good gamblers, obviously, but also fans of the NFL like me and my co-host who's out today, we we don't underestimate the fact that Stroud wasn't out there. Now, they're still a dog. They're still a home puppy. Two and a half point underdogs, Houston is. Cleveland's got a lot of hype for them right now. Everyone's saying that they could be the team that gets in the way of Baltimore gives them a loss in the second round. I don't know if I'm fully there yet, right? Let's go over some stats 
the Browns, since Flacco has taken over as quarterback, are averaging 28 points per game, including the game, his first game in LA, where I think they only scored 19 points. He's been the story. Amari Cooper was the story a few weeks ago in Houston, but I think something that people are overlooking because of guys like Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, who I think got a little banged up in practice today. It's something to monitor coming into Saturday, not Sunday for this game is that their defense is still giving up about 23 points per game on the season. They're below average in yards given up on the season. What they have been is very, very good when it comes to turnovers, right? And they've, and that's been their difference maker in games that they have won in close games that they had won down the stretch, especially with Flacco. So I like the Browns defense. I think they're successful. Obviously they have really, really good star pro bowl caliber players, but I think we're overlooking and giving that Browns defense a little bit too much credit and not paying enough attention to what CJ Stroud, Devin Singletary, Nico Collins can do to offset that Browns offense. Obviously I don't expect Amari Cooper to have 300 yards going this weekend. I expect Flacco to play good, but what we do know that with comes with Flacco is there's going to be at least one turnover, right? So I think it's in Houston's best interest and the, and the Texans can win this game, overcome this 2.5 underdog um, spread that we have here. If that turnover can be in Cleveland territory and on the flip side, if they can control the time of possession possession, And they can also make sure that they are passing the ball, running the ball efficiently, keeping Flacco off the field and making the Browns play from behind, forcing an easy defensive matchup, right? For them, forcing Flacco to throw the ball. So I actually like Houston plus the two and a half. I like Houston to win the game. I think their defense is underrated. And I think CJ Stroud is going to come out and play a clean game not turn the ball over, look the way he did against Indianapolis. Yes, an inferior opponent uh, week 18 that they played last week. But Nico Collins, a banged up Denzel Ward, um, and Singletary has been able to run the ball relatively okay. So I don't think the Browns are going to repeat their success from three weeks ago in Houston. I'm actually picking Houston plus the two and a half. I'm picking Houston to win this game, their first home playoff game in years since Deshaun Watson was over there. I actually like them in this spot, especially since no one is giving them a chance. I I honestly, I always tend to lean towards the home dogs in the regular season, but definitely in the playoffs. The next Saturday night game is looking to be pretty interesting. Um, Not because it's probably the best matchup on paper, Chiefs versus Dolphins, but it's coming out that it's going to be literally freezing at the game. Uh, I've seen online that there's anywhere from a negative 20 to a negative 30 wind chill going to be out there. One of the coldest games in NFL history. Um, if that ends up holding up, w- what I'm also seeing out here is that people are saying this could be the end of Tua and McDaniels. There's a lot of chatter of that in talk sports, Twitter, Instagram, online, whatever you want to call it. Right. I think it's a little ridiculous. And the comparison that's being made is that, they're going to move on from Tua similarly to the way that Sean McVay moved on from Jared Goff. And I get it. I understand the draw. I get why that's some clickbait material that's online right now that, you know, I read and we're bringing up here on the podcast today. 
But when push comes to shove, they're dealing with injuries right now. And when you really look at the weapons on Miami, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Outside of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who is out against Buffalo, they really don't have difference makers and playmakers on that offense to help Tua out. I'm not making excuses for Tua's bad balls and his interceptions against Buffalo this past weekend, but I don't think it's as simple as, hey, let's go find our Matthew Stafford, right? Because Matthew Stafford isn't out there. You're going to bring in Kirk Cousins off an Achilles? Are you going to trade for Justin Fields? Would you really like him over Tua? I'm not sure. I think the Dolphins have ran into a little bit of tough luck. They've lost games throughout the season. I'm thinking of the Monday night game against Tennessee that's costing them this home playoff game. And I really do think going into this freezing cold environment is going to be the nail in the coffin for this Dolphins season that looked, I don't know, Matt and I were talking about it two months ago. They looked primed to have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And since the Chiefs showed chinks in their armor, we were saying this is it for a team like the Dolphins. This is it for Baltimore and injuries, ACLs, Achilles to their two best defensive edge rushers. Sometimes that stuff just happens in football. And unfortunately, I don't think the Dolphins roster is going to be able to overcome it. Tyreek Hill is playing banged up. Waddle can't stay healthy. Now Mostert's finally hurt when we knew he was going to get there. And I do not like Miami in the spot this weekend in the freezing cold. They're four and a half point dogs. I'm going to take Kansas City. And on the flip side with Kansas City, we've been talking about it all season. We were talking about it before everyone was talking about it, saying their weakness will be on the outside. Their weakness will will be because they don't have guys that can go and make a play. Now, Rasheed Rice has been playing better. He looks fine, right? But he's not a star. He's not someone on third and three, third and four, that you can look to get them the ball, make sure that we're moving the chains. He used to be Travis Kelsey. He still can do that. But now it's a much easier defensive game plan against Kansas City to have your best guys double-teaming Kelsey. Make anyone else beat you. And right now, Kansas City is struggling, and they can't do that, which is why they've lost a lot of games here in the past month and a half. Now, where I'm going with all this is, I think this is the time of the year where we see Mahomes and Andy Reid really lock in and have the game plans effectively dismantle their competition. And where I foresee this playoff run going for Kansas City in a victory this weekend is not just because it's going to be freezing cold. Yes, that will help, but that's why you win the division, Miami. Where I see this going is Kansas City obviously leaning on Mahomes and Kelsey, but really switching their game plan to what Belichick and Brady used to do with a guy like LeGarrette Blunt, what the Eagles did with a guy like LeGarrette Blunt and get in those bad weather games like they're going to have this weekend, rely on their running back, Isaiah Pacheco, and then have Mahomes, Kelsey, Rice, maybe, but I doubt it, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, come up and pick and choose the right moments to find your weapons and lean on your quarterback's arm. I think this is the postseason of Pacheco, and if Kansas City has any chance, it's by 
running offense, controlling time of possession, grinding out these tough weather games, and then relying on Mahomes when you need him the most. And and I think I we'll see next week, but I think that's what we're going to see this this upcoming week. And if Kansas City does plan on making it to their sixth straight AFC Championship game, it's going to be because Mahomes, obviously. But I think we look for Pacheco to really, really be the straw that stirs the drink. So the least, I don't want to say least fun, but I mean, the spread's 10 points. It is what it is. Shout out to the Bills, man, right? We were not writing them off, but, you know, there have been a lot of questions on this podcast, local media, you know, the whole nine yards, McDermott, blah, blah, blah. They were struggling this year. They were losing a lot of close games. Josh Allen was turning the ball over, which he still is. They're 10-point favorites this weekend at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They definitely got the best draw out of everyone, but they deserve it. 10-point favorites at home, a really, really good, I'll call it a warm-up game for Buffalo. I really don't see Pittsburgh having any chance here. I'm not going to bet this game because I don't like betting games with this big of a spread. I would take Buffalo and the points, though. I I don't foresee this being a close game. I see this finally being the moment in time where the wheels fall off for Mason Rudolph and company. This Buffalo defense has been playing lights out. I don't know the status of Rasul Douglas. That'll be really interesting to monitor. They're going to need him to be healthy. But Poyer, Poyer and Micah Hyde have been playing fantastic on the back end. They're completely healthy. Their defensive line has been great. And obviously, Josh Allen has been playing good enough. And I say good enough because he's great, right? He is our modern day Brett Favre, but he does put his team into pretty tough situations sometimes. And the defense has been bailing them out. Now, if we want to look past this weekend and we want to look at other juggernauts in the AFC like Kansas City, Baltimore, right? Josh Allen is obviously going to be a massive contributing factor to them making it to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that he won't be, but if they really want to take advantage of this weaker Kansas City team this year and have any chance of competing with Baltimore, if they were to meet them in an AFC championship game, they need to run the ball with their X factor and feature the guy who's been the difference maker on this winning streak. And that's James Cook. James Cook has been the one to take the pressure off of Josh Allen. And I would even go as far to say that I would be game planning to get James Cook involved more than I would be game planning to get Stefan Diggs the ball. That's not to say we don't want to get Stefan Diggs the ball because he is a phenomenal player. But when Cook is rolling and the defense has to respect him out of the backfield as a runner and as a catch pass catcher, it opens everything up for Josh to use his legs, find Kincaid, and find Stefan Diggs in one-on-one coverage where he can cook. I think if Buffalo has any chance, they need to take the ball a little bit out of Josh's hands, take the pressure off of him so he doesn't feel the need to force the ball, turn the ball over as much as he has this year. And I think they've done that. But even against Miami this past week, Allen's stats are ridiculous. But he does go out there and play a little too reckless, and they move away from that run game. That is my two cents on the Bills. That's my take. 
I'll take them t- minus 10 if I will give a pick here. I, I just in full transparency, I'm not betting on it. Okay. Um, Green Bay. We'll get to you. I have some, uh, I guess, Instagram comments that I need to respond to, but we'll start with, we'll start with the Cowboys, a full touchdown favorite against the Packers. This is tough because if you listen to the show, you know, I'm a Packer fan. My co-host Matt's a Packer fan. So it's tough to not be biased about this, right? My heart says the Packers have a chance this weekend. My heart says the Packers can win this game this weekend. I look at the line and think seven points is a lot. The Packers have been playing well. But Dallas has been by far the best team at home in the NFL this season. Dallas has statistically second best offense in all of football this year behind San Francisco 49ers. Dak Prescott, while yes, he had two bad games, has been an MVP in all pro caliber quarterback this year. Say what you want about him, but he's been a top five quarterback easily this year in the NFL. C.D. Lamb has been, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league this year. And that defense is forcing turnovers and scoring touchdowns, right? Basically the perfect mix to win this game against Green Bay. Dallas is the better team. Dallas deserves the number two seed. And I don't think Dallas loses this game. But, but all of the pressure is on them. The Packers have not lost to Dallas in Jerry World since it opened. I've been seeing all that stuff circulate around Packers Twitter lately. But I will say, that's an old regime, right? That was the Mike McCarthy era. That was the Aaron Rodgers era. This is a completely different team. Hasn't proven anything there. Hasn't won there. To be quite honest with you, just has a few guys from even the most recent playoff run that was on uh, that's still on the roster. So I don't buy too much into that as much as I'd like to as a fan, right? And I know I, Cowboy fans in my life and Cowboy fans online, they see that big G and freak out, understandably. So just to give a little context here, Dak and why the pressure is on him and Mike McCarthy. Dak is 2-4 and four in his playoff career. He's never gotten to an NFC Championship game. He's never won two games in the playoff, in the same playoffs. Mike McCarthy has had his history of blunders in the playoffs. They've had some embarrassing losses thus far in his Cowboys tenure. And of course, with Green Bay, we all know some of the playoff heartbreak that they've had. I also think with these head coaching vacancies, there's a very, very good chance that they're going to lose Dan Quinn this offseason. And that will have a massive impact on the defense because the defense was good before Dan Quinn got there. They became elite once he was the D coordinator. I think someone is going to give him a job this offseason with all these different head coaching vacancies. And the last thing that's really interesting about the Dallas Cowboys is they've had one game with a 100-yard rusher. So the big question for them is, can they continue winning games being this one-dimensional? Can they beat Green Bay airing it out the same way they've beaten everyone all year. And can we ensure that Dak is not going to fall back on old habits and turn the ball over, which has got him in trouble 
in years past? I think so, because even though Green Bay's defense played well against Justin Fields, played well against some guy I've never heard of for the Minnesota Vikings, they still let Danny DeVito, Bryce Young, and Baker Mayfield have career days. So my question as a Packers fan is, when is that defense going to show back up? And I think there's a high likelihood that it happens this weekend. I think the Cowboys win. I hope they don't. I will take the Packers plus the seven. Fortunately for us Packer fans, all of the pressure is on Dallas, and that makes Green Bay a very, very dangerous team. Moving to the Packers, though. Um, I don't, I don't even know when I posted the take for those of you that didn't see it online, for those of you that didn't listen to the episode, whatever. I basically said that the Packers had mortgaged this year's team and all these young guys and bet on them with the consequence that the Packers didn't sign veterans that helped teams like the LA Rams win the Super Bowl. They didn't go get Oda Beckham. They didn't get Von Miller. They didn't get JJ Watt is who I said in the, in the clip said more names on the episode. And I said that Matt LaFleur and Gudikins are probably on the hot seat, but I also concluded the clip saying there's a lot of season left just to give more context on where we were at the time when we released the take, when I said the take, the Packers had gone five straight games. Once again, five straight games without scoring a touchdown in the first half, five straight games. Their offense could not move the ball up and down the field. They were an embarrassing football team. They didn't score 20 points. Jordan loved looked like he had the yips back there. He was throwing bad interceptions and they were losing to bad teams. We were in the top six of draft position at the time. Now, what I'm happy to admit, I was wrong. They turned it around. They felt the heat. They stuck to the plan. If you're a Packer fan, I, I, I want you to genuinely ask yourself, could you have imagined Jordan closing out the season the way that he did? And if you say yes, good for you. I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. For me, I, I, I'm actually beyond thrilled, but surprised at how fantastic he looked at how Dontavian Wicks worked out, how Jaden Reed found it and put it together, how Tucker Craft was able to come out of his shell, learn how to block, and actually make an impact on his team. I think we have been blessed as Packer fans that it worked out because there was a point in time in the season where it was unwatchable. And if you can't admit that, I think you're just lying to yourself. And you're playing too much into living in the moment. But once again, I will admit I was wrong and that's fine. I'm a Packer fan. I'm hyped about it. 
It's great. We have a franchise quarterback. But I do want to remind, as I was talking about in Dallas, that they lost to Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield in back-to-back must-win games where they could have now put themselves in a position to be playing Detroit, potentially even Tampa Bay this weekend. And as hot as Jordan has been, as good as they have looked, just in this past weekend against the Bears, poor clock management at the end of the first half, a missed field goal, a fumble. They are leaving points and possessions out on the field. And if they want to win this game against Dallas, if they want to be in this game against Dallas, they cannot afford to do that because it will get away from them quickly. And as I had mentioned, I'm just waiting for that Packer defense to show up that made Bryce Young look like the number one overall pick when no one else in the league let him look that way. This is how I choose to fan. I guess I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I try to be as realistic as possible. I want the boys to win, but I'm just looking at the facts. And right now, the facts look like they're lining up for Dallas has been the best home team, but I promise you I will be rooting against their ass all weekend. All right, this is the big one. Um, <laughs> this is the game. This is the game I'm probably most excited about. This is the game I have no idea what to expect here. I think both teams could for sure win. Um, looks like Vegas has given the Lions a three-point line. That's basically that's basically giving them three points because they're the they're the home team, right? If you're new to the program, if you're new to football, this is the first time in 30 years the Lions have won the division. First time in 30 years they'll be hosting a home playoff game. This is the game the NFL wanted, right? Similar to how the NFL probably wanted Mike McCarthy against the Green Bay Packers. They definitely wanted Jared Goff versus the Rams, Matt Stafford against the Lions in their first game at home in the playoffs. This trade is one of the only trades that ended up that I can remember in recent memory as big of a trade as it was that worked out for both teams. The Rams won the Super Bowl two years ago. Goff has revitalized his career and made the made the Lions a valuable, viable team in the league. Now, a couple things before we kind of break down, I guess, who I'm going to take here. I don't think that it should be a debate that you should rest your players in meaningless games in the NFL. It's inexcusable to have your players playing in a week 18 game that doesn't matter, Detroit. In my opinion, your team coming out flat, rusty, is not worth risking injury. And what happens? you lose Sam Laporta for the biggest game in Detroit, Michigan in 30 years. And for all the great stuff Dan Campbell does and the reason that the Lions are who they are, he does tend to make emotional, incorrect decisions when it comes to, it seems like common sense. And losing Sam Laporta really makes me want to take the LA Rams. 
And let me tell you why. The LA Rams have averaged 31 points a game since week 12. The Detroit Lions give up the third most passing yards to quarterbacks on the season. Puka's healthy. Kyron Williams is healthy. Cooper Cup, who didn't play, and Matt Stafford, who didn't play in week 18, are fully healthy and ready to go. I also think the Rams have quietly put together a decent defense. Obviously, they have Aaron Donald, but the surrounding pieces have been playing good enough. This game is going to be a shootout. And how I look at this here is that if I were to pick one of these two teams to win a shootout, I would have taken the Lions if they had their starting tight end. I'm going to take the Rams plus the three. I think the Rams are going to spoil the party in Detroit. Now, the only thing that ruins that is if Stafford reverts to his classic, oh shit, Stafford just threw that interception. Really? That's the decision he's going to make? But he's been phenomenal this year. He's been better when it comes to throwing interceptions. His decision-making has been more on point. And most importantly, they have a running game. And if Kyron Williams can average three, four, or more yards per carry, and they can work that play action, get Puka moving, get Cooper Cup down the field, the Lions could be in trouble. I like the Rams. I I think they they pull the upset this weekend. All right, lastly, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay. You've seen a lot of stuff about Sirianni out there. I don't know if I'm ready to say it's time to let him go. They've made the playoffs three years in a row. They were obviously in the Super Bowl last year. This collapse is alarming, though. For a couple of reasons. One, the roster construction that we were praising early on in the season may not have been as good as we thought. But I don't think that's the biggest issue in Philly. And which is where the Sirianni piece comes up is were his coordinators actually better at doing the job than he was? Gannon, for as weird as he is out there in Arizona, brought that team to play. They were competitive all year. They had a couple upsets. They've looked good with Kyler. Oh, yeah, they just beat the Eagles. And then, obviously, Shane Steichen in Indianapolis has been phenomenal with a backup quarterback. Minshew looked very, very good for the type of player that he was. The Jonathan Taylor drama and a defense that was, quite frankly, below average on paper. Ended up playing pretty well this year. The Eagles are not a good defense. And now the Eagles are having issues offensively that were honestly masking up the poor defense before San Francisco showed up to town and started exposing them. Here's my take on the game. Tampa Bay is three-point underdogs at home. The Eagles is the second worst defense against the pass this year. They give up the most yards per game to receivers. And last time I checked, Tampa Bay is still going to be walking out 
Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. I like Jalen Hurts. I like A.J. Brown. I like Devontae Smith. Tampa Bay's secondary is not very great either. But I'm going to take Tampa Bay this weekend. I think this could be the beginning of the end for the Eagles. But I also would say proceed with caution. If you're an Eagles fan, the Eagles organization, because unless you bring in the right guy to replace Sirianni, he still has created a winning culture there. And they're on a bad, bad run right now. I'm not going to understate that. But maybe their defensive pieces are just not as good as they were. And the coordinators aren't lifting and putting their players into a better position. I like the Eagles. I like Mike Evans to have a massive game this weekend. And I like the story for Baker Mayfield. I think this is a really, really big opportunity for him to prove even more this year that he's worth a starting quarterback salary and that he's going to be the guy for the future for Tampa. All right, guys, I'm going to keep it short. Simple pod for you guys this weekend. I'll do a rapid fire summary of what I'm taking. I'm going to go Houston plus two and a half in the win. Kansas City minus four and a half in the win, obviously. I'm not betting the Buffalo game, but I'll say Buffalo minus 10. I'm going to go Packers plus the seven, hoping they win, but I think Dallas does. I'm taking the Rams this weekend. And then lastly, I'm taking Tampa Bay. I appreciate all you guys for the support, for the following. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Matt Morris should be back with me next week. Much love, y'all.